Okay, so I don't know if you all know this, but Drew and I are a little obsessive when it comes to marketing. And today we hash out some of the best practices and what we found to work most effectively for farmers and handmakers and all kinds of folks. I really loved recording this episode and I hope you enjoy listening and gain some valuable tips and knowledge on how to promote and do better in getting the word out about the products that you love to make. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, so today I am excited. A friend asked in our group about marketing your farm products effectively, and I thought we should talk about that. Yeah. I think now that we're doing our our market online, where people order online and then pick up in person, the farmers all just drop in one place. And because we've been doing the in-person market also, the farmer style market slash festival and all kinds of things, we've really kind of learned what some of the tricks of the trade are and some of the best practices and that kind of thing. So we want to share those with you. We've been seeing a lot of marketing, good so marketing, marketing and bad marketing. And yeah. I feel like just last night we were listing products. Levi and I were listing and it was just really helpful just to have her eye on it because we were listing products from a local mill and those products have quite a, possibly the ugliest packaging I think I've ever seen. They're fun. They're cute. It's they like, like old timey packaging. Yeah, it's like a yellow bag with red letters. and It's a mill. It's what you expect from a yeah, mill. But like, you know, it was like a scone mix and I'm like, this could look so much better. <laughs> So we like went on the internet and found like pretty pictures of scones and put that in there, you know, so like. You mean from know. their website, the images weren't that good. Yeah, is their website was horrible. Yeah. Their packaging is also horrible. So like yeah. marketing for in-person versus marketing for online are kind of two different beasts. And we can talk about each one a little bit individually. But I would say that, you know, all of this, you know, take with a grain of salt. Like it's it's our perception. And, and I notice as a consumer and I've been I've had my eye on marketing for a while. I don't know if you know this, but. We have a pretty successful network marketing business, which is really a smart way to do business because a lot of the marketing is sort of done for you, but then it's your job to personalize it. And I'll tell you, that's the key with any company that does well, because even that mill that Drew was talking about, their experience when you go to the mill is so, it's like a throwback. It's like visiting 1885 when you go to the mill. There's probably flour in there from 1885 <laughs> Potentially, on the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, the building was built about then, maybe earlier, and it's, you know, you go there for the experience. And so that is the main and most important part of marketing is the experience that the customer has, when, whether they're coming to your space, whether they're visiting your, your site online, whether they're buying your product online. I mean, that is the hands down most important element of marketing is the customer experience. And I know that I've lost sales because of this and I've gained sales because of this. So you just really have to understand that the most important market marketing thing is what does your customer get out of it? What does your customer experience and, and how can you make that all better for them? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just like the overall, like, how does the customer feel? Like, what's mm-hmm. the what's the emotion that you're like, when you really get down to marketing and sales, it's 
emotionally driven. So. Emotionally driven. And yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, first and foremost is the customer experience. So if you have an amazing product, but the checkout process is a nightmare, they're not going to keep buying from you. Right. <laughs> right. So that's really, really important. So your product obviously has to be amazing. But Although it, I will say like at the old mill that we went to, the checkout process is miserable. No, it wasn't and miserable. You still go it was there. awesome. It fit the it fit the theme so well. Yeah, you walk so in there. I'm gonna go back and say emotionally, Lacey emotionally. likes that feeling of I, being in the yeah, old times. In the, old the, the lady was like literally flipping through like pages of orders, like one after the other. You can't see my hand right now, but it's flipping through the carbon copy, co- carbon yeah. copy. I was method. like, uh, if Lacey wasn't there, I would have been out. I, and I, she was writing <laughs> down every order that yeah. customers were, that place was full though. We were oh, there it was so and it painful. was full <laughs> and they, people were buying a bunch of stuff. I mean, people didn't just come in for like oatmeal. They came in for a ton of stuff. So I'm telling you, whether or not it it's the, seems uh, efficient right. isn't even the most important thing. It's just the experience that the customer has, and are they enjoying that experience? So it doesn't right. even have to be the fastest checkout. It doesn't have to be a – what does Amazon have now? I do not promote Amazon. do not think that. But the click here, yeah. okay, one, so one that, click payment. So that there. takes me to the point of you need to know who's buying your product. And why, maybe. And why. So, yeah. like, for instance, the old mill is catering to – Older people and people no, that feel people. There older. There were teenagers like, in there yesterday having a fun time. They were there with their grandparents. They were there and they were like picking out all this stuff. And they were like, look, I want this and I want this. And this jelly looks It amazing. was like a mini Cracker Barrel. It, was a, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, but the point I was making with that is that Lacey likes that kind of thing. I, I could care less. Now, if you filled it with tools, <laughs> like old-timey tools, oh, I would yeah. be all about it. But... They know who their customer is. They know what the customer experience. I don't know if it's just like. And somebody could swoop in there and be like, oh, you need to set up an iPad flip screen in here. Yeah. And they would be foolish to change I what would they buy have more there on. then. No, you would not. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Anyways, so, I mean, that's like a, like, case in point. So when we're talking about farm products, I think keeping that in mind is really important because people want to have a farm experience. They want to get thrown back. Now, if you're talking about an online purchasing experience, they're going to compare that to other online purchasing experiences. They're not going to compare that to going into the mill to buy from an 1885 mill. You know what I mean? So you have to really be thinking about the different methods and ways that your customers are going to check out. And I will say that that mill does not have a great website. I mean, they have a website, which is helpful and I used it and it, you know, but it's not, people don't go there to, unless they know about the mill to shop their products. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so with our markets, we have like a very, I'm going back to the ideal customer. We have a a person in our mind that we're marketing our products to. Mm -hmm. And so when you're making your labels and you're making all of those things, you know, keep that in mind. I will say like the one thing is Lacey has really made us stick to like the same look for every label, for everything. Like if you look at all of our things online or in person or wherever, it all has a very similar look to it. I'm looking Oh, at- and that's funny because I feel like it could be a thousand percent better, but we're yeah, getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> She's a little bit of a snob that way too, so it's okay though. So thinking about that, like when you're making a label, when you're making a logo, do you want to have to print it all out in color or do you want it to be like, we have a label printer, so everything is pretty much black and white mm-hmm. because we can print it at home very inexpensively and 
make the design at home and you know so it's all kind of low cost which when it comes to farm products you i know right now i'm going to tell you you can't afford to spend a lot on labels no you know it needs to be simple and packaging can actually be a major hang-up when it comes to selling products and i will say that that has been for me and running the market one of my biggest frustrations and even just in general as a farmer because we process we grow these chickens from you know from tiny baby chicks and we raise them and they're outside all the time and then we kill them and we, you know, have this kind of beautiful, almost religious experience in raising these chickens and then we shove them in a plastic bag and stick them in the freezer. And, and we heat up the plastic bag. Yeah, first. a hot plastic bag. So it kills me that plastic has become like this, like, and, and when farmers are dropping off their goods for our market, most of them are using plastic in one way or another to package their products. And it's, you know, no offense to them. It's just what the world looks like right now. And how can we take a step back from that is always what I'm thinking in my mind. How can I make this packaging feel like it could have happened a hundred years ago, or it could happen without me needing to source plastic that potentially came from China. I shouldn't need to have a Chinese product to give my product to my neighbors, right? To sell my product to my neighbors. So that's just a conundrum that I think... I feel like ironing out your holistic context mm-hmm. of your business, yeah. your business holistic oh, context. Oh, but to put that in perspective. Your farm, your farm holistic context. Yes. We have a vendor that sells milk from a creamery that's not that far away. And that creamery bottles in glass, nothing but glass. And I love that. But there is a $2 surcharge because those glass bottles are expensive, right? That's not They like do have plastic tops. So I was thinking about that today. I was like, how could you not have how a plastic you not have top? A plastic to- I'll what, take that plastic top because these bottles are so What did they do in the so old days? Luxurious. I don't know. Cork? Like the milkman. What? What did the milkman use before plastic? I don't know. See, this is the kind of thing that really intrigues me because, I mean, there was a time when we didn't have plastics and it wasn't that long ago, like 50, 60, 70 years ago. Plastic was not a part of our daily experience. That was before I was around. Yeah, it was before me too. And I heard like a crazy statistic not too long ago that like people of our generation, so we're in our 40s. That's crazy to say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) People in our generation will will die with, I think it was around four pounds of microplastics in their their body. In their bodies. Yeah. Okay, we'll say four to six pounds (laughs) of microplastics. And that is why I can't lose that final four to six pounds. Right? (laughs) But that's just crazy to think about. Like, we we can do better. We should do better. But bringing it back to the marketing... Part of our holistic context on our farm, as you can hear from Lacey, is that like, you know, doing the best we can and then also pushing the envelope a little bit. So write down like, what are you willing to compromise on? What are you not willing to compromise on? And then... And sometimes it's just a matter of consideration because sometimes we're just doing what we've seen other people do or, you know, when we buy products at the store, that's how it comes. But does that you're doing something completely different than what the store is doing, right? So how can you add that layer to your packaging? And packaging really is your salesperson and for the most part, especially if you're not going to be standing with your product or beside your product everywhere you go. So your packaging is going to have to do the work for you. It's going to have to do the heavy lifting. Now, I run into people a lot of times they put a label and it says what the product is right on it. Now, that's fine and dandy, you know, like if I'm selling jelly, I could label it grape jelly and people would be like, okay, it's grape jelly. But would you rather have grape jelly or would you rather have, what did I put on one of our labels? Small batch organic muscadine basil honey jam. Yeah. Something like that. 
and picked by little children in the sunlight <laughs> of summer. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, saying what the ingredients are and being real clear about that is I think just people want to know what are they buying and what makes it different than the product that they're going to get at the grocery store. Okay. Cause grape jelly is grape jelly is grape jelly, but grape jelly that you made and that, you know, the difference of what you're making is really what sets you apart in the marketplace. And your label has to reflect that. You can't just think it in your mind and you cannot expect that a customer is going to find your product and see a label that doesn't say all of that and know that by, by the label. And I, I will tell you, usually when I'm buying wine, I buy it based on what, what label I like the best. When I'm buying a lot of products, I'm, I'm picking what, what packaging is the most appealing to me. And sometimes it's about labels. Definitely. You take, sometimes it's about organic. You take her into Aunt Betty's Cafe and uh, it's like. <laughs> which is the ABC store in North Carolina. We are not allowed to buy alcohol, but in these state regulated stores. It's and they're called, it's alcohol and beverage control or alcohol. Company. I don't know. Beer yeah. control. I don't know what it is. Not beer. It's just, it's just liquor. So it's the liquor store, right? I don't know. Every state doesn't have that. So yeah. anyway. But yeah, she definitely picks it based off of the bottle in there. Which and locality. Because if yeah. I can get something local. Well, that's for sure. We always go to the North Carolina section. Yeah. First. But I, I will say like the other part of that is I think adding your story on the label. Okay. So that well, the first part is customer experience. And then the second part is your story. Your is, story. Is the most important. Because your story is what gives that customer an experience, I think, really. You know, like yeah. your story should be in the packaging. So whether your logo represents something that you stand for or your the name of your farm or the name of your product or whatever, um, you know, Schoolhouse Farm is us, right? And yeah. I feel like it's pretty spot on. Where I've seen people go wrong is not necessarily wrong, but I will say it's probably making their life more di- marketing life more difficult is that the name of their farm or the name of their product is almost like an inside joke. Like you would only know what that means. You know, it's like two horse farm, but like if you're on two horse farm, you know that your mom and your grandpa rode in on two horses, you know, like there's this whole story, but you never know it because it's just called two horse farm. Well, and they don't tell the story. They don't tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, People want to know the story. I know like when I buy products, if there's a story, I read the story. Mm-hmm. I want to know what happened, where it came from. All and I will tell you, we just got a lodgeware, some lodgeware, uh, lodge cooking wear, um, ordered straight from the company for the record. You do not have to order it Free through shipping. Amazon. Free shipping. And there was a discount code on the website. So just an FYI, people think you have to get these products that, you know, that everything filters through Amazon. Sorry. Okay. I'm getting on my Amazon. You digress. I digress. Anyways, they came straight from the company and in the company box or in the package from the box or from the company, company, there was like a little magazine book that told the whole history of Lodge. And it was like a little treat because yeah. I got to get to know like, okay, the guy like started it the, and then it, the forge burned to the ground once. And then like, I mean, there was this whole like backstory on the guy in the 1800s who started this company and where it's come from there and how they developed new products along this, uh, along they put a little timeline in there. It was a really well thought out experience for me and it made me love my lodgeware even more. Yeah. So I think as farmers, we can do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it, we don't have to do it. We don't have to make a whole booklet. Well, and here's the thing. I think I hear from people, you know, like somewhat urgently, they're farming, they're, they have a garden, they have all this extra stuff. So then they're like, well, I'll just sell all this extra stuff. This happens with eggs a lot. 
Yeah. People just have extra eggs, so they just get cartons and they put their eggs in there. And then they're like, well, I just need to get rid of them, so I'm just going to mark them to $3 a box. And I'm going to tell you that, like, no offense to those people, but you have to think about this because there's no sense in feeding chickens that you can't afford to feed with the eggs that you're selling, right? So if you have too many chickens, sell your chickens. You can, instead of making money on eggs or, you know, you can make money on laying hens. We did this very recently this past summer mm-hmm. our chickens got some kind of disease or something we could not figure it out it might have just been predator pressure that we couldn't mm-hmm. figure out but they stopped laying for like two months so yeah. i put them on craigslist for five dollars a piece and someone came and bought them because we're not feeding an animal so, that yeah can't. yeah when our 50 pound bag of feed is like 30 dollars mm-hmm. It didn't justify it. You can always buy more chickens. You can always get more chickens. And I will say that unless you're selling your eggs at $6 a dozen, you're not making your For money For organic on feed. For organic feed. So it's just a really important thing to understand the value of the product that you're selling. And don't sell it just because you can sell it. Sell it because the market needs it and because, you know, you're like, that's your goal, right? Not because, oh, I have these extra, extra eggs. I mean, there's no problem selling a few here and there, but if it's becoming a, like stacking up on the counter situation, which we've all been there. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the point, maybe a side point that Lacey's making also. Side point. Is you don't want to be known for the cheapest. You want to be known for the best. Yes. So don't like selling your eggs for $3 a dozen thinking like, you know, everybody's going to come buy my eggs and I'll just Walmart them to death. You know, like, don't, that's not who you want to be. That's not what we want the farm industry to be. The small scale homesteading industry. We want to be known as the best. We want Well, not only that, but you don't want to lose money. Right. Yeah. On top of that. (laughs) Yeah. I know like our kids are always like, well, if you just sold, (laughs) I forget what they were trying to sell, but they were like, if you just sold like 5,000 of them and you made 50 cents on them, that would be better than selling 10 of them at $5,000 or, you know, like they, they just wanted to sell like this mass quantity, a super low price thinking that that's how they would make their money. And I mean, that may potentially work, but I think better to like put a, a quality market value on it and sell it. You Considering know. your time. Yeah. Yeah. Because more, more things means more time. So, I mean, really all of those things need to be factored into your marketing plan and we could go more into like the the like profit loss side of things but like getting back to the marketing side of things yeah where the egg situation i mean you need to also state like your chicken eggs are different depending on what the chickens were raised on how they were raised where they were raised you know all of those things so putting that on your packaging is really, really important. And so I will say that we were selling eggs. The girls were in charge of it. They were selling eggs, $6 a dozen. And I think people were kind of like, oh, that's kind of expensive. Well, then we put a label on them. We, we came up with a label. We put the label on. The label said a few things about what grass-fed um, free-range eggs offer in terms of like vitamin D content and that kind of thing. And then I don't remember. There were, oh, facts about what the, our chickens ate, what they eat. Yeah. And then our logo and a cute picture of some chickens. And we put that label on there and everyone who was buying the eggs was like, well, I don't know if the eggs are different or not. They taste different coming out of that box, right? Like they just. Yeah. And we also got egg cartons. I think it's eggcartons.com. Yeah. But we got different colors than the like. Gray. The crusty gray. Crusty gray. (laughs) So we got like this bright green and this bright pink. And I I think that made a difference also. It does make a difference. 
it makes you look forward to having our eggs. I think. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, the truth, the truth is like, if you go to Whole Foods and you look at the eggs, you can tell which person thought more about their marketing and which person didn't. Like, uh, what's that one that we had? Neely's. Nelly's. Nelly's. Nelly's does a good job with their I eggs. I always buy those because they've got a little picture of Nelly on the they front. Do. I'm like, I want to help And her you out. know Nelly's been dead for a real long time. Right. So. Oh, that might not even be Nelly. No, but I'm sure. What, whatever the case, you know, if if we have to buy from the market. We yeah. feel like we get our knowing who we're buying from more right. when we see that kind of packaging. So how can you let your customer know you more? And that's really what your marketing should be doing for you. And, then, um, and consistency is really important, yeah. I think. So even if it's just your logo, making sure that's on every package and, you know, it just kind of adds that layer of consistency, right? Because that's what, you know, people become more and more loyal to you because they start trusting you. And that's an important thing. We want to build that trust and we want people to know who are they trusting, whose great product do they have that they want to continue to stock on their shelves. So, um, what about phone number, email, uh, website? How do you feel about those? Like um, having that on your packaging. So we are selling a lot of products through our market now that honestly, you know, I wouldn't like go out of my way to sell because I just, it's a lot, but because the market is online, it gives us this opportunity to list products and then not even not even have them ready until somebody bought one. And then I'm like, it's okay, like, I guess it's like best it. case scenario for Lacey. It really is. I perform very well last minute, but anyway, so, you know, we've come up with some things to sell just because we have the market available and because we don't have to go stand there all day. Like we would at a traditional farmer's market or pay an expensive amount to be able to go that kind of thing. Um, it makes it much easier for us as a, as a provider, as a, a what's the word maker to yeah. be able to make and provide products. So I was just labeling our pumpkin butter and I was labeling some plants that we sold. And I will tell you, there are some really key important things that when I'm a shopper that I look for, one is how do I use this product? So Uh, I think what farmers generally and farmers markets are lacking is giving the consumer the knowledge of how to use the product that they have packaged because customers are generally very used to using the products that they are familiar with at the grocery store. And I'm going to tell you that I think that the produce department is there for about 12% of the people who actually shop at the grocery store. Uh, Most of the people go to the freezer department to get their veggies if they eat veggies or the cans. You because can tell, they know what to do with that. You can tell when you're standing in line. Look and see when people are putting produce or putting their groceries on the conveyor belt. You don't see much produce. They're not getting much produce. So if you're going to a farmer's market and you're a seller of produce, you need to be making it aware of how easy it is just to make your products and how delicious they are, whether that means having samples available or including a recipe and just making all of that so simple and appealing for the customer. Um, Because the customer is used to being catered to and babied in a convenience way that's like almost a little bit demeaning. (laughs) But the truth be told is most people know how to cut a carrot and an onion and that's almost it, right? Like they don't know beyond that or to like chop a salad. So we really want to make these things as easy as possible. And a lot of times at farmer's markets, you'll see products like um, that don't look like they do in the grocery store. And then people are even more confused. Like, well, what do I do with that? You know, like it's not in the package I'm used to or it's not. Well, I think it's not a baby carrot. What do I have to peel this thing? Like, yeah, I think like prime example of that is like Mm -hmm. right now on our market, one of our vendors is selling kohlrabi. And I always look at kohlrabi and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. 
Now, I if, want it, but yeah, I don't know why. If you told me what to do with it, I would buy it. Yeah. Because I, I just love. You gave me a recipe. Yeah, I love veggies. Well, and I've seen this kind of marketing with other things too. What was There was something when we went into Whole Foods, not that long. It's been years really since we've shopped there, but there was, we went in and there was this bag of some kind of nut. I want to say it was either a walnut or maybe it was a chestnut. I don't know, but they put it in some kind of container and I was like, I'm getting this. Oh, it was chestnut. Was it chestnut? Yeah. Which I always love chestnut, so I don't know why that would have been more appealing. I feel like it might have been something else. But anyways, it was a product and their packaging was like, here's what you do with what's in here. And the and the bag was cute. It was like a reusable cotton muslin bag or something. So it was it just was like, oh my goodness. And they probably charged me way more than oh, I should yeah. have paid for those. But I was happy to pay it. Because I knew what I was going to do with that product. It wasn't going to go to waste. And I had a packaging that I felt good about using and all. And I felt connected to the farm and all of these different things that we're looking to have as consumers. That was actually what made all the difference for that sale. All right. And so one of the last things I think I have as far as this is the telling customers what else you have. So when they buy, let's say, coffee from you, letting them know that you also have tea. Mm. or that you also have coffee mugs that you make. I heard a crazy statistic, and I can't remember the numbers exactly, but Amazon was like one of the first companies to do that at the bottom where they started putting on there like, if you... You may also like... Yeah, you may also like this. Mm. And it increased their sales. It was something stupid, like 2,000% or something like that. Or the one where like... Customers looking at this also are buying this. So those kind of things like, you know, if you can even just like, even if it's a verbal suggestion when someone buys something being like, hey, you know what else would go good with that is this that I'm Mm -hmm. selling Mm -hmm. that I think it's kind of like a value add kind of idea. But I think a lot of times people do the customer a disservice Mm -hmm. by not letting them know. I know there's been times where I've been like, oh man, I didn't even know they sold that at the store. I would have bought it. You know, there's mm-hmm. you making sure the customer knows everything that you have available just in case they want to get some of the other things that you have is really important too. Yeah, I agree. And again, it's just building that brand loyalty and, and making them aware that you kind of are across the board an expert in this particular realm. But yeah, I letting them know. So some examples of ways to do that, I think, is to put your website on there. Something that we've been doing too is um, we have this incredible podcast. I don't know if you've heard about it, but You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put a QR code on there that links right to our podcast so that folks can, I, if I sell a batch of tea or a bag of tea, it says sip and listen. And then there's a QR code to, to click and go listen to our podcast. And I, this is added layer of just hoping that people are like, okay, well, let me get to know who it is that I'm buying from and building these bonds and relationships, which is not only meaningful for the customer, but it's meaningful for us too. I mean, that's right. a really like, yeah. I, I love connecting with people on all these different levels and sharing our story in a valuable way. So that's huge. And then just simply like if you're using Facebook, if you're using Instagram, you don't have to put the link. If you put Instagram on there and your handle is the same as your farm or is the same as your logo, people will find you there. You do not have to put like www.instagram www. Yeah. Yeah. backslash blah, blah, blah. Like you just put the little symbol and people get the, the picture and they yeah. know what to do from there. People are pretty savvy these days with the yeah. internet. So, yeah. Depending um, on your clientele. Now, if you're looking for those people that 
shop at the old mill, they may not know how to get to Instagram. That's true. And they might not be your ideal customer. So right. when I'm thinking about who our ideal customer is, I'm thinking us. Like we're the ones who right. are marketing to. Yeah. I know what I like so I can package and market for that. And I think ultimately most people are on the same page there. They know what they they like. And you can see based on the products that are successful, right? You can see based on what people are drawn to and, and how like masses will move in one direction because they like it and they feel good about it. And so you can mimic that in your marketing and your sales. And, and there are lots of examples. And so if you feel like you don't know where to start, I would say go to the store and really look for products that draw you in and that are just piquing your interest naturally. And then from there, there are some really easy programs and ways to build from their marketing tools and marketing imagery, whether you're making labels or printing business cards or whatever. Canva.com is a, it's a free tool. And I would say that the majority of the templates on there are hands down better than you could do if you were just starting from scratch and didn't have a lot of experience with graphic design. So I would go, go there and look, they have so many templates that you can, you could probably look up jelly and there's probably like 10 templates that you could pick one and, and make it go with your specific look. Yeah. So but, yeah, I, I think Really, there's so much we could help this you with. This is a big it. topic. This is a big topic. <laughs> and it just makes me think. One of my favorites, too. Right? It's I like know. A, I'm, a, I'm a closet graphic designer slash marketing Marketer. guru. Yeah. yeah. So at the schoolhouselife.com, we have the homestead audit. If this is something that you'd like more help with, we can tailor the homestead audit straight to marketing. You know, if you need help marketing your homestead. I would get a little bit yeah, Lacey is nerdy getting, about it. She's getting super excited about that. <laughs> so it's $100 an hour call with both of us and we'll break down exactly, help you come up with a marketing plan, logo, you know, whatever you want in that hour. Hone in on your look and yeah, your story. Yeah, your story, all of that. So if that's something you want help with, go to the schoolhouselife.com. And uh, click the little tab there at Homestead Audit and uh, go ahead and schedule your Homestead Audit with us. That'd be super fun to do. Yes, 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 yes. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts on there. And and if you know somebody who needs to do better at right, marketing, yeah. don't tell them that they need to do better at marketing. Just say, hey, I think you like this. They have some good points. Yeah, listen to this podcast <laughs> and see. But thank you for listening. And until next time. Have a good 